Hi friends, I'm so glad you're here. It has been a long work week, but the weekend is right around the corner and I'm so excited about it. On this episode, you get to meet my very special guest, Elise Stoddard. Elise is my favorite Florida transplant. So she grew up in the Sunshine State on a coastal town and now lives in the heart of Washington, D.C., where she teaches leadership skills and public speaking skills to people of all ages and all backgrounds all across the nation. This girl is constantly traveling, but she shares such great stories as well as a true understanding that it really does take all kinds. In this podcast episode, we're going to talk a lot about speaking boldly and authentically, and Elise is the perfect person to talk about this. So grab a beer. You're going to love her humor and just enjoy this episode with Elise Stoddard on Life Over a Beer. All right. And on today's show, I have Elise. Um, So Elise, do you want to tell us what we're drinking? Sure. So in the, in the spirit of transparency, I'm not like a beer connoisseur. Um, and actually I've only ever liked very few beers that I have ever drank. Um, and so the thought process, this is a long story off the bat, (laughs) but the thought process to get to, to get to what I'm drinking tonight was I was going to go down to the corner store, which is just like a two minute walk away and just pick up one of the single beers that looked cool. And I did that, but I also got <laughs> a cider on accident. <laughs> so I'm drinking a Down East unfiltered white craft cider um, with orange and lemon peel and coriander. So that is, I promise I was trying to beer it up because I want to respect the integrity of the show. Um, but I, I missed, so. It's okay. We've had cider, actually, on the last episode, we had cider. Oh, right on. Well, um, we actually had a cider maker, and, because a lot of people think cider is beer, so he oh, kind of cool. talked about, like, if it's beer, or if it's liquor, or if it's Interesting. Wine. So, yeah. Yeah, So, what yeah. is it? So, it's technically a wine, um, yeah. but okay. a lot of people, a lot of people think it's a beer, so. Yeah. It's beer-ish. Beer-ish. <laughs> I like it. Beer-ish. So I'm drinking Jackio's, which is a like small brewery in Athens, Ohio. So Southeast Ohio. And I love this name. So it's called Who Cooks For You? Um, It's a double dry hopped hazy pale ale. Um, So for anybody that likes, you know, Indian pale ales and things like that, this is a very smooth, slightly hoppy not like a so hoppy it's gonna hop out of your glass kind of deal um because some people some people are like oh, i kind of like i i kind of like hoppy stuff as long as it's not too hoppy so if you're in that boat sure it's a good beer and it has a way cool i'll put a picture of it in the show notes but it's a way cool owl i like, love that owl. yeah that looks like it would be tattooed on an agriculture teacher yeah i can see it <laughs> I like a hip, totally see it. young ag teacher, the owl tattoo. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it. And of course, for anybody who's not in the agricultural realm, 
Um, we're referring to FFA, which is a youth organization that um, is in schools all across the country, um, mostly in rural, but now it's starting to really creep into the urban, which is awesome. Yeah. So yeah, I, I haven't drank, I haven't drank much of Jackie O's, but I like this. Um, cool. so, and I'm always a big, like, try to find local stuff. So Athens mm -hmm. isn't too close to me, but it's about two hours. So, I mean, it's local-ish. Do you prioritize Ohio beer in your selection process? Um, not always, but I always try to find local flavors. So, for example, when I go on a trip, I'm always like, okay, what's like the most local thing you got? Or what's something that oh, like cool, really yeah. tastes like? So when I went to Alaska, the Alaskan Brewing Company is really big up there. So I'm like, oh, okay, nice. what tastes like the most Alaskan? Um, <laughs> whale blubber and um, Sarah Palin, I think, would be the flavors of Alaska, if I had to guess. <laughs> what flavors Sarah Palin? <laughs> Maybe like Just a... The a, essence in a, of Sarah Palin in a beer. It'd probably be pretty spicy. That's what I mean. <laughs> She's kind of a sassy lady. The maverick. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So one thing that I love about you, Elise, is that you have always been a big supporter of women um, in leadership roles. It kind of falls in line with your job, but also just you do an awesome job speaking. I mean, the organization That's that so you flattering. work for, you <laughs> do a lot of speaking engagements and travel all over, um, which I'm super jealous uh, that you get to travel all over. But at the same time, yeah. whenever I just want like a cool night at home, in my sure. I think about mm, that wouldn't happen in Elisa's job all the time. Yeah, you'd be in. Uh, I can't use Ohio as an example because you you would be there, but you know you'd be in uh, a second tier city in a Holiday Inn with <laughs> Olive Garden takeout, which actually is kind of my happy space. I li I like to poke fun at that lifestyle, but I do really enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, well, and I I definitely think. But it's like such a good thing for the phase that we're in right now because we're both about the same age. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, so that's a very much the phase of life we're in. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I think it's super cool what you do for your job. But anyways, yes. I want to talk about um, teaching other people to really speak confidently and share their story. Because yeah. that's kind of what you do. And you really uphold women, which in the agriculture industry is awesome. Because I think oftentimes, not so much in Ohio, but in other states, um, people kind of see it as like, oh, the farmer must be the male component of the household yeah. and he must be the one that speaks for us. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think that that's such a good point. Uh, something that happened to a colleague of mine who's about the same age um, as, as we are, uh, was she, she was at an ag event and everyone went around the room introducing themselves and every woman there was a part of a couple, which there's nothing wrong with. Um, but the, the man was introducing them as a couple, so none of the women spoke at all the entire time um, until they got to the end. She was the only single person there, so she was like, well, this is weird. <laughs> I'm so-and-so. Um, breaking the ice of letting the ladies talk. Uh, so, yeah, it's real, totally. Um, and that's not through anyone's fault outside of mirroring what's been the norm for so long. Um, and many, you know, a hundred times, 
99 times out of 100, it's not done out of any malice or ill intent by the people who are kind of upholding those societal norms, to me anyway. But I think it's super important for women to feel empowered and confident enough to be able to speak to a group of people, especially if the group of people traditionally doesn't have women representation, um, whether it's on their board or in their membership or what have you. So yeah, I, I, that is one of my favorite parts of getting to do what I do is seeing just really awesome ladies kill it um, and who are so much more like wickedly more talented than, than I am or will ever be. Um, but giving them like a little umph to uh, speak their mind and speak confidently is really, really cool. Yeah. So if you are speaking to a group of people and you're trying to encourage them to be confident, be bold, share your story, can you kind of talk through, you know, what do you say to them and how do you encourage them? Sure. Well, I think it's really important. One of my biggest pet peeves about public speaking is the robotic, um, just advice that people have gotten over the years. And, you know, the idea that everyone kind of has to sound the same and emote the same and have the same um, cheesy hand gestures and things like that. I think that it's important to tell people, you just need to be who you are, whatever that is and whatever that looks like and whatever that sounds like. You just need to be authentically yourself in a way that connects with people. Um, and so there are like tips and tricks that you can do to help connect yourself to an audience without losing any of your own personality. Um, and I like, I'm pretty monotone for the, my, my voice. I don't have a lot of like up and down. And it's something that I am aware of and I just kind of have to uh, make, not make up for it in other ways, but I, I definitely have to be aware of it and maybe go out of my way to, to make other people more comfortable when they listen to me because no one wants to listen to a flatlined person who's just monotoned. <laughs> yeah, but I think you always, what I've always appreciated about whenever you've spoke to a group that I've been a part of is you had so many like dry humor jokes that I think that like works so well with your personality. Thank um, you. Because I'll never forget the one time you were, somebody was introducing oh, themselves and they're like, oh, I think you know so-and-so. And you're like, oh, yeah, they're the worst. And it was so funny. It was so funny. Because obviously, oh, like, great. you cared a lot about that person and you thought very highly of them. Sure. Uh, <laughs> but it was just so funny. Um, <laughs> and that's, I, I don't know, I really appreciate that. But I think that shows yeah. that authenticity of yeah, you don't need like to engaging people by bringing some yeah. yeah, you don't need to scrub your personality to be a better public speaker or to be a leader. Um, and I think a lot of people think that they need to be everyone's favorite flavor in order to be successful and be a leader or speak in front of a room. But people just want to know who you are and how you operate. And it's okay if some people don't like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I know, so I talk really fast. And everybody, sure. every woman in my family talks really fast. Um, it's actually what I ask people for feedback on the podcast. That's what I get a lot is like, oh, your podcast is good, but you talk really fast. <laughs> well, they can just slow it down on that little, there, there's literally an app for that. You can just slow down a podcast. <laughs> yeah, but I just, I don't know. I tell people that life is short. You got to talk fast. Like I got a lot to say. 
got a lot to say. That's funny. Yeah, and I would tell people, you know, uh, most of the time, it's funny in agriculture specifically, not in almost any other industry, I don't think, but in agriculture specifically, we have to coach people to speed up how they talk. And in almost any other public speaking scenario, you're going to be told to slow down, um, which, which is just funny. But as long as people can understand you and you are, you know, enunciating effectively enough, who, who cares if you're a little fast or a little slow? I think it's what makes people unique. Yeah. Yeah. So I loved how you talked about how you don't have to be everybody's favorite flavor. Um, and I think so often we try to be very like flat characters. Um, and while I don't think everybody needs to know every detail of your life story, um, right. one of the unique thing I think about your story is you're born and raised in Florida. Yes. You don't hold it against me. <laughs> <laughs> and then you moved to DC, which is not yeah. Sunshine State. No. And not it, all, it is also a swamp. They have that in common. They're both very swampy areas <laughs> to live, literally. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I grew up in the shark bite capital of the world, New Smyrna Beach, and I have very pale skin and fry really easily, but my parents were great and slathered me in like SPF 100 and kicked me out to do like the whole beach thing. And I really, really love that part of having grown up in like a beach kind of coastally community. And I think what's been awesome has been because it's a coastal community, it's a beach community, um, about 50% of the folks that are there at any given time are visiting or are like they have a timeshare on the beach or they're just, you know, kind of there for the day. So growing up, I feel like I got to interact with a lot of cool, interesting people that I probably wouldn't have had I lived in a metropolitan area or a rural area. So I really appreciate that. And then I, the move to DC was because of a job that I fell in love with um, and I'm still in love with. So it's been really, really cool. I love DC too. I, I enjoy it a lot and I know it's not for everyone, but yeah, <laughs> it's for me. Yeah. But that's why I think it's so interesting because when you and I met, you were living in Florida. Next time I know you're living in DC. Oh, yeah. And I felt like, I mean, you know, it's always, it's always you're watching everyone's social media, which isn't, it's only their highlight reel. But you always, right. you did so good with that transition and oh, just like finding, like blooming where you were planted, like just oh. wherever. Well, I appreciate that. I was definitely set up for success in that. I had interned in DC all four summers. Um, in college, I kind of knew where I wanted to be and where I wanted to live. I was also dating a guy at the time who lived here. We're still dating. Uh, we're, I guess we're engaged now. I was going to say, you're engaged a, look. a little more yeah. than a <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we're still dating. Um, so, I, so I had kind of all that. I had really great friends that lived in D.C. Um, anyway, so it was, just, it was a big change from, you know, driving to the office every day and and working where I was working to come up here, but I really, like, I loved it, and I still love it, so I think it was a good choice. Yeah, yeah, but I think maybe from your coastal beginnings, like, you learn how to deal with different types of people, because we see some that, that sometimes in rural America, too, where, you know, sure. if you grew up in the same community, and it doesn't have a lot of change, like, people, you know, live there forever, and things like that, 
it's mm -hmm. very hard sometimes to see views very different than yours. Yeah, I think that goes both ways. I think if, if you grow up in a, however you grow up, you're going to be, that's going to be normal to you. So that's going to be your automatic go-to for any sort of context. I think I get, I get really frustrated when people um, talk bad about either lifestyle. I don't know, that, that kind of rubs me the wrong way. I've heard people um, in big cities talk about how rural America, you know, dumb and uneducated and what a bunch of hicks. But then I hear people from rural America talk and smack about people that choose to live in cities too. Um, and you know, what a, what a life that is living in a city. That's no life. Uh, so I don't know. I just, that's a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think that goes back to that social media or that speaking piece of, um, I think there's a lot to learn from people that aren't the same as us. And yeah. I, I just feel like in the world that we live in where we all believe a lie, not all, I don't want to put everybody in the same boat, but so many people believe sure. a lie that if I disagree with you on one thing, I have to hate you. And I just uh, think, yeah. oh my gosh, what a great way to make sure that you don't hear anybody out. Absolutely. Or have many friends. No one likes that guy at parties. <laughs> like some, some of my best friends here have wildly different political viewpoints than I do. Um, and it's fun because you, there's still really great people who want the best for the United States and the world. And once you realize that, like everything else can kind of be talked about in a fun fun way <laughs> absolutely absolutely but yeah I think that sometimes I I don't know sometimes I feel like that's my fear when I'm public speaking is that like oh I might bring a totally different viewpoint than anybody else in this room and they might not want to hear what I have to say so what would you say to somebody like that yeah well, I think the biggest misconception about public speaking is that it's about you Public speaking isn't about like what you have to say or what you look like or how you sound, but it's about making the people who need to hear what you have to say feel comfortable and get your point across in, in the best way possible. So once you kind of flip the perspective of, uh, you know, I am scared that these people aren't going to like me to what do these people need to hear and how can I uh, effectively communicate it? I think that takes a lot of pressure off of me. Anyway, if I, especially teaching public speaking courses, geez Louise, you're going to be, people have their notepads out with how many times you say like or um, and they are like ready to tell you that you uh, aren't, you know, practicing what you preach, which is fair. But I think that once you realize that public speaking is just about helping making people's lives easier, better, um, and figuring out a way to do that, that has helped a lot. Yeah. Yeah. What an important, I feel like that needs to, that, that whole section needs to be just like put through loudspeakers everywhere, especially with the current situation, like not to get into like political COVID stuff, but yeah, sure. Holy moly, y'all. Can we just all mm -hmm. take <laughs> a big old step back and remember at the other day, we're all human just trying to yeah. figure out how to handle a pandemic that we've never been in before. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I do, I think everyone at their core is trying, trying their best right? Um, it's the same thing. I don't have kids, thank God, during this, <laughs> but I, I feel so bad for the teachers and the parents having to make those decisions because mm -hmm. um, there's no winner, right? Yeah. There's no winner. No. Well, I yeah. got sad. 
<laughs> I, uh, I thought all through, so when Ohio was in quarantine, you know, you're watching on social media probably a little more than usual, just because we yeah. felt like we had to be glued to it to know what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would hear all these parents like, oh my gosh, I am going to lose my mind. Like, I, mama needs a break. And then people would bash them about like, this is beautiful time that you have with your children. And blah, blah, blah. and while yeah. that is true, that is still true. I think it is also true that mama needs a break. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's such a, dis- it's a, such a disruption to whatever your normal routine is. Literally, like if, if you're not doing anything the same as you were a few months ago. Oh, yeah. Right. So that's like, I think you talked about in a previous episode, you talked about how like change is scary and people automatically resist it no matter what the change is, even if it's a good change. And I think that's true for this too. It's obviously a scary change so people are worried, but it's all, it's just change. So humans are resistant to it. Absolutely. Well, and then I think of like people, I wanted to say to people too, like, okay, you can still love your children and love other people, but still have like compassion fatigue. Like, yes. you're handling everyone else's emotions, too. Totally. I mean, I kind of, I I kept reminding myself, like, not that I was lucky to be alone, but, like, I think it's a yeah. lot different to quarantine by yourself sure. and just have to, like, face your own demons and, like, okay, like, this is what I'm feeling. Then, like, okay, everyone is panicked and I have to be the leader of my household yeah. <laughs> to do all that totally. stuff. And I think that's something to remember, like, you know, no matter if you like your governor, whatever state you live in, or you don't like your governor, like, there's still people, too, who yeah. are also having to handle everyone's emotions. Right. Um. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. And you just have to pray and hope for the best that they truly have the the state, the country's best intentions. You know, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So... Tell me a little bit. So one of the things I read, so for all of our podcast listeners, I send our guests notes ahead of time, just like, hey, tell me a little bit about what's going on in your life, da, 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 da. And one of the questions is like what your greatest accomplishment is. And you were a fair queen. I was. <laughs> I was a fair <laughs> queen too, about the same time. It was 2010. <laughs> so I had to laugh because in some ways, so I was thinking funny. back to that time, of course, in Ohio summertime we're doing all the fairs and stuff right now and mm-hmm. my county oh, fair yeah. happened and then it hit me that like oh it's been 10 years since I've been a county fair queen <laughs> and if that if the gray hair on my head didn't make me feel old enough that just <laughs> knife in the stomach no right yeah, yeah. so I was just like oh but yeah. thinking back that was some of my first opportunities public speaking because I I don't know about your fair every everywhere is different but like our local radio they would talk to the fair queen just about every day so every day you were on radio having to talk about like what's happening at the fair and why people pick a leading contest at three o'clock at the yeah (laughs) absolutely that's actually so this mug isn't going to win any pageants, but public speaking was a component of it, right? So I think that's what really, <laughs> really knocked me over the top. But to this day, my dad still says that's the proudest he's ever been of me or will ever be of me. <laughs> like that, that was, that, that's it. I've reached the peak for Sam Stoddard. <laughs> <laughs> See, I feel like my dad, I don't think my dad wasn't proud that I was fair queen, but he was mm-hmm. like, 
oh no, like I'm gonna have to really help out the fair this year. Oh sure. <laughs> my yeah. dad, my dad loved doing the livestock at home. He did not love doing the livestock like at the fair with yeah. other people. <laughs> at the shows. Yeah, sure. that makes sense. Yes, but, uh, no, I just I had to laugh at the fact that you were a fair queen because I was too, <laughs> and I think I peaked in 2009. <laughs> you peaked in 2009 or at least I hope we didn't oh gosh I peaked in 2010 I'm in trouble (laughs) but um but yeah just thinking back to those early public speaking days I'm sure I would look back at myself and probably listen to one of those recordings and cringe a little oh so cringeworthy I do not recommend I have them all I, I have some speaking engagements that I did like right after high school on DVD for God knows what reason. And it is terrible. It, you know, listening to yourself, number one, is just bad. But listening to like an unrefined version of yourself who thought that speaking like a robot was speaking well <laughs> and that had this like just really inauthentic tone that wasn't me uh, because I thought that's what people wanted to hear. That definitely is like nails on a chalkboard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't like listening to myself in general, which is funny that I wrote a podcast and literally yeah. I hear myself <laughs> talk. Because um, I think I sound like I'm 12, but um, I promise I I'm that. old enough to drink. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it it is kind of funny what I, I agree with you, what I thought people wanted as a younger mm. public speaker versus what I think now. We used to, and I don't even know who taught me this. I don't know who taught me this now. But I used to lay the microphone on my chin. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you did. So someone convinced all of us that that's a great idea. That is a terrible yes. idea. It's the worst. And um, another thing that I was guilty of was business fists. So like the concept of if you don't know what to do with your hands, just put your hands into fists and like glue them to your sides. And you end up looking like you're at Buckingham Palace, like, <laughs> protecting the queen. It's so awkward to look at. And like, well, who, who thought that that was, that was it? Like, that's going to make you an effective communicator. Oh, I don't yeah, know. I never did that. I did, like, the baby Jesus thing, though. Like, holding <laughs> baby Jesus. Yes. Oh, I feel bad for all the listeners that they don't get to see the video, but like, yeah. but I remember doing that. Like, you would put your elbows to your side, mm-hmm. and you would hold up. Like, and I don't know who taught me that either. If I wasn't holding a microphone, if you're using a lapel, yeah. this is what you did. <laughs> I yep. have no idea. That's what I want to know. Who, who thought these were good ideas, and why did they right? teach them to the youth of America? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I hope they're not doing well. <laughs> because they're the worst yeah but uh yeah it's so funny but you know what else I think is funny is when I was a freshman in high school I would have rather died than public speak and I think that's a very common thing for people I think a lot of people really people don't like to it yeah at all because there's risk involved too you you know you mentioned the risk of people not liking you if you said something wrong or you know they just rub them the wrong way that's scary to a freshman or heck like anyone yeah (laughs) um so yeah I think that's totally fair but now you public speak all the time you're like in front of crowds constantly I'm sure and on the radio yeah (laughs) 
That's crazy. <laughs> radio interviews are always so um, unique. And in some ways, they're kind of like a podcast, except mm-hmm. I feel like I try to help my guests out by at least giving them like some, hey, these are some questions I want to know just for things yeah. to talk about. Um, sure. Not to make it like scripted, but like I've had some really <laughs> awkward questions on the radio. Really? Like, oh. can you give me an example of one? Oh, my marital status. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually is so common in our line of work. I feel like people are very, very green means go when they think about, should I ask this person if they're seeing anyone? So weird. Yeah. I actually Uh, had it at one and at my job. I wasn't on the radio. I've had it plenty of times on the radio, but, um, which so many awkward things like uh, like what are we doing here are we trying to do a dating service on the radio like what which might actually be pretty cool like a dating (laughs) like reality series series via radio you might be onto something (laughs) maybe maybe a face for radio um no (laughs) give me some hot dates but um (laughs) no i was at a function one time and i was telling you know hi i went to ohio state majored in this blah 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 worked on water quality stuff up at lake erie and this guy interrupts me. And of course it was an older gentleman and I love older people, but sometimes like, I don't know, they just ask questions that aren't cool anymore. Um, <laughs> and he asks, he's like, don't you think you'd be better at your job if you were married? What? I was like, what? <laughs> like, excuse me? <laughs> what, did I just and what was the reasoning there? <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, that's so strange. Like, I guess maybe he thought if I was married, all of a sudden my, like, small lady brain would be so much better at agriculture or something. (laughs) Anyways, that's that's not, like, a feminist comment. That's just a, like, I'm very confused (laughs) why that would happen. That's uh, so weird. Yeah. Yeah, but that's... It was strange. That's funny. But I just think that it's so important um, that we remind people that, like, no one dies in public speaking I mean you may yeah. I've said plenty of embarrassing things or oh yeah to a microphone that's the worst that's a Ooh. good thing I did that yeah, you can't do it now too <laughs> for sure <laughs> darn you Rona no yeah. um, you really shouldn't cough in microphones but I did it once when I was a junior fair board member we were in the hog barn and it's just so dusty in there and I like got a tickle in my throat and coughed right into the microphone it's like Oof. okay here comes little Johnny from the, you know, Hustlers Forage Club. Clap, clap, clap. It was terrible. <laughs> terrible. But I, there are a lot of things about that story that I enjoy, but I think top of the list is the Hustler County 4-H Club. <laughs> Please tell me that's real. <laughs> no, well, there is a 4-H club that's called the Marion Hustlers, but... <laughs> okay. It's not the same. Not the same. But how about you? What's been some of the more cringeworthy public speaking moments that you're willing to share? Yeah, so I completely forgot the words to a speech I was giving in front of a thousand people at the age of 18. 18? Yeah, I guess I was 18. Um, It was so mortifying. So for this particular event, we had um, earpieces that were like kind of cheaters if we lost our place, we really had to stay on scripts, um, which is something I hate, by the way. I hate scripts. People should throw away all sorts of scripts, but it's another rant for another day. But for this event, we all had scripts that we had to follow. And I, in the middle of my speech, which was only about 10 minutes long, um, 
I completely blanked. I looked out in the audience and I was like, nope, you know, I don't know the words. I don't know what I'm supposed to say next. Um, And my mic pack, not my mic pack, but my cheater pack to my earpiece had come undone as I had walked onto the stage and was hanging off behind me. So I had no idea that that had happened. But my like safety brain was like, they're going to feed me my next line. I'm going to be fine. I'll be able to pick it back up, but that's when it happened <laughs> because <laughs> it was off. So I just kind of stood there for, you know, it seems like an eternity for you when people are looking at you, the biggest crowd I'd ever spoken to up to that point. Um, and I was convinced like in the few seconds that I just suspended reality that my life was over and, you know, everyone was going to hate me for it, which is stupid, but <laughs> that's how I felt. And then I don't, Jesus helped and I got back to I think I missed a paragraph but no one knows and no one cares so I picked back up and was able to finish it but that was the scariest moment of my life probably you yeah. know not taking into consideration real scary things <laughs> that was really tough yeah no it, it is so nerve-wracking and I don't know about you but if I get in like one of those moments like my face tells it all, like my face gets red and you're pale, you're pale complexion too. So I'm sure you're mm-hmm. the same way where your face oh, yeah. is red. You start getting all funny. the blood's there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I recently found one of my old FFA speeches from, I don't know, maybe I was a junior. This is like the ultimate sign that we cannot hold people accountable for what they said like 30 oh, years gosh. ago. Not that I'm yeah. that old, but like, you know, back right. in my high school days, I wrote a speech on, do we really need a million dollar tractor? <sighs> and <laughs> the things I was saying, like some of it was fairly true talking about like, you know, just price inflation and not sure. biting off more than you can chew and not having a payment so big that you can't pay for your farm. Um, just some risk management. Yeah. Stuff. But then I was talking about like, why couldn't farmers just wear Carhartts like other farmers have done for a hundred years and like, (laughs) (laughs) like taking out heaters, like, okay, now Ashley knows that, okay, if a farmer has to be a tractor for eight hours, I think they deserve a heater. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, safe workspace. Yeah, Yeah, totally. (laughs) But back then was like, oh, they're paying too much. They just need to make it. Like, we're in Carhartts, you'll be fine. <laughs> that was dumb. That's amazing. That was dumb. But, but yeah. I mean, some of it was true, though. Some of it was like, yeah. don't buy a tractor so expensive that you can't operate. Yeah. You and know? you're also, you're writing that speech uh, under the assumptions that you have as a junior in high school with probably little to no, I don't know, I don't know if you grew up on a, on a big production farm, but you probably weren't having those conversations every day. <laughs> No, yeah, I definitely did not grow up on a grain farm. You know, we did livestock where it was like, oh, you put your car hearts on to go feed livestock. Well, that makes a lot of sense when you're doing livestock, you're up moving around and doing all that stuff. But it's just funny. funny. It's funny what you thought then versus what you think now. Totally. I completely agree. I had some bad takes in middle and high school that I look back on. I was like, ugh, woof. Yeah. Yeah, but this is why I feel like people cannot hold people accountable yeah. a million years ago. Uh, Amen. <laughs> so as we start wrapping up the podcast, um, this has been a great conversation just about like public speaking and ways to be authentic. 
Um, the, the question I ask every guest, and I love this question, is what would you tell your 25-year-old self? Because while, like for me, you know, that's only two years ago, there's still just stuff that I know now that I didn't know then. Absolutely. I feel like my advice to myself that I still need to hear often is that you deserve to be here. You are capable and can, you know, chop it up with the, you know, with the guys <laughs> in the room and, and you deserve to, to be here because you're good at your job. Um, and that's just not job stuff. That's, that's anything. Um, but maybe that was something that I struggled with was the imposter syndrome of having not earned it yet or having not done enough to be um, a valued voice in decision-making. Um, and that's just not true. So yeah. that would, that would be it. Because you're young? Yeah, for sure. Young, a woman, probably I didn't grow up on a farm, a, just different background and um, different political ideology. So I feel like that all of that coupled together <laughs> uh, made me a little insecure. And I still need to remind myself of that like almost every day. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate that. Cause I, I think I struggle with that sometimes too. I feel like I'm better. The more I do my job, the better I'm at it and understanding like, okay, you've like earned your stripes, but I think totally. it is hard, especially when I'm with like a new crowd of people. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, well, how do I share with them that I deserve to be there? But then part of me has to remind myself, like, you don't have to prove yourself to anybody. Like if you're in the room, you're in the room. Yeah. Yeah, it's really hard to um, to show work ethic, and I think that that's something that you and I have in common is we, we both work really hard, um, and I've always felt like I, it was just working to me until you get into, a, you know, your first few jobs and you realize that not everyone has the same work ethic that you do, um, and that's really hard to show when you're being introduced to someone, uh, but like letting your work kind of speak for itself and not, you know, kind of taking your uh, pride <laughs> aside, I guess. Um, yeah. It's tough. It is tough. And I also feel like in the social media world that we're in, because I mean, you know, we've all creeped on people on the internet, uh, yeah. but it's very hard. Like if you feel like this, this other person has like this magnificent life and you're seeing their highlight reel and you're mm -hmm. like, oh, well, I've solved problems very much on a local level or, you know, these kind yeah. of problems while I covered some big challenges, those don't seem nearly as magnificent as the other person. And I think sometimes I struggle with that too. Yeah. I, I, I think it's very common for people to struggle with that. Um, a friend of mine just yesterday said, your journey, your Jesus to me, as I was like trying to talk through a problem. And I was like, you know, you're right. Like it is, it's so unique to everyone. So just, I don't know, work hard and just know that you deserve to be in the room. Absolutely. I love that, actually. I really love yeah. that. Yeah, your right? Jesus. Your journey of Jesus. I like All right. that. I like that. So if people wanted to know more about public speaking, what like references would you tell them? Like, what would you tell Ooh, them to go watch or listen to or whatever? Great question. YouTube University, which isn't a real thing, it's just typing things into YouTube, um, <laughs> is great. 
<laughs> you can learn a lot of really good stuff. There's also some bad advice on YouTube, um, but just like look for reputable people uh, who are putting public speaking content out. Um, and that's really great. Uh, and it, I love when I do trainings to, add, to uh, show real life examples. And so if you just watch someone that's good at public speaking, you can usually pick up a couple of tips and tricks just from, you know, the way that they're moving and the way that they're communicating. So get on uh, TED Talk and find something you're interested in um, because those folks are, you have usually made it past the, the hurdle of being a pretty good orator <laughs> if they're getting featured on TED Talk. So yeah, I would, I would just say watch a lot of video and um, ask for feedback and know that not all feedback is good feedback <laughs> in the yeah. sense that <laughs> like sometimes you don't need to listen to every single piece of advice someone gives you. Sometimes it's bad advice. Um, but yeah, I think that that's probably the best way to go about it. And practice makes as close to perfect as we're going to get here. So <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I love that you brought up Ted talk because I, I feel like I've learned a lot about public speaking from watching TED Talks. Mm -hmm. And there's some TED Talk sure. speakers I don't feel are as good, but I do feel, I do feel like it's a great way to share, okay, if I have an idea to share, how do I go about that? Like, yeah. you know, do I tell a story? Do I share my research? Like, mm -hmm. how do I get there? Absolutely. Um, if you were to ever do a TED Talk, what do you think you'd do it on? Ooh, that's such a good question. I don't think I'm an expert on anything enough yet to be in that realm. But one day I think it would be really cool to do something about like continued education um, and like the importance of adult learning uh, and how adults learn. So cool. something in that very broad category. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What about I, you? I think about this question a lot. Um, I think I'd either do like the power of your morning routine Ooh. or especially with this season of life, like what was I able to accomplish once I slowed down? Sure. Because I think that's been the biggest thing I've learned this year is like, Oh, if I'm not running a million miles a minute, I can still be successful and still do things that I'm proud of. Yeah. But I don't have to work 80 to hundred hours a week to do so. Right. So like, what did I gain from slowing down? Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. I would listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think I'm an expert by any means, but I just know during this very COVID season mm -hmm. and the season of slowing down, because, you know, we do so many programs in a summer and by not doing those, I've been yeah. able to be honestly, with a little more sleep. It's amazing. Like sleep. I now understand why everybody talks about sleep being a great thing. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but you Ariana Huffington had it right. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. But um, yeah, so by getting more sleep, which I didn't know I was in desperate need of, I've been able to put more brain power to creative projects that I usually don't get to do. Yeah. Um, and I love that. I really love I, that. I agree. I think I'm in the same boat here. I uh been getting to work on some really cool stuff that I probably wouldn't have done had COVID not happened. So I don't know. I, I agree. 
it's been cool to have some time to dive into the weirder or eccentric projects that might have higher risk, but, but higher reward. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love that too. I like that a lot. So if people want to connect with you to learn more about public yeah. speaking or I don't know, where do Florida people go vacationing <laughs> since you live in the vacation capital of the world? Uh, how would they connect with you? Yeah. So my, uh, Twitter is probably the best way I like connecting with people on Twitter a lot. And I think ag Twitter is one of the coolest, weirdest places on the internet. Um, but it's just at Elise Stoddard, um, is my, is my Twitter handle. And there you will find ag content, speaking content, leadership content, and also just bad, terrible jokes. So it's <laughs> kind of kind of where all of those things live. <laughs> hey, that is okay. We need that in the internet realm as well. Not just angry yeah. comments about mask or no mask or whatever you're upset about this week. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Amen. So, well, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been so much uh, fun. I know. Let's do it more often. <laughs> yes. Yes. I agree. doesn't have to be a podcast. <laughs> Yes, let's just do virtual Zoom happy hours. That actually might be something I do for this show. We'll just have a virtual happy hour. We should do like an alumni of the podcast that everyone's invited to, like drop in and just kind of chit chat. That's Absolutely. just that's just fun content. There you go. There we go. <laughs> well, I always tell people, I'm like, oh yeah, this this person is on my podcast. They're part of the drinking class. Um, uh. so you know, we'll just do a drinking class podcast. <laughs> I love it. So, well, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, for anybody listening to the show, make sure you follow it on Facebook and Instagram. Um, if you are interested in any of the links, we'll put them in the show notes. So just follow um, lifeoverbeer.com to find all of those. And until next time, stay safe, uh, stay thirsty, and drink lots of beer and enjoy life over a beer. So cheers. Cheers. <laughs>